Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Porter on 970 WDAY. Good afternoon, Natil. How are you? Doing great. Glad to hear it. It's a good day. Kind of nice out there. Not too bad. And it's Friday tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. And it was payday today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good day, Rob. That's also correct. <laughs> well, yeah, we've uh, we got a busy show uh, coming up at one uh, thirty. Jason Flores from Americans for uh, Americans for Prosperity, the North Dakota slash Minnesota chapter. Uh, he's going to be on. We're going to talk a little bit about income tax reform. They're pushing some ideas. They want Senator Heitkamp to, uh, to well, well to stick to her guns on what she's been doing, which is in a lot of ways reaching across the aisle, working with Republicans, because uh, that is. Politically, that's what she's got to do to stay elected in North Dakota. Uh, but they're hoping, uh, you know, she will continue to do that because they are, you know, they are excited about some possible reforms to the income tax code. Uh, so we'll talk with Jason about that coming up. Uh, right now, I want to discuss something. Uh, I want to, uh, well, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about this Dakota Access thing. Until you heard about this uh, federal judge James Bozberg coming out and and rejecting most of the Standing Rock Sioux tribes. Uh, most recent legal arguments against the Dakota Access Pipeline, which, by the way, has been has been flowing oil for like two months now. Um, he rejected most of them, but but one of the arguments that the tribe made was that the the uh, uh, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers didn't properly consider the impact of potential oil spills on fishing hunting environmental justice some other things so basically he's calling both sides back in to make arguments to decide whether or not the pipe of the oil flowing through the pipeline ought to be halted um the tribe sort of declaring victory i think that might be a little mature um or, or a little premature excuse me because this is a judge who has consistently rejected throughout the, the construction process before it was completed before they were flowing oil, has consistently refused to enjoin construction or operation of the pipeline. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Judge Bozberg has opened the door here to the possibility that oil could be stopped, but given that he's already been ruling against that over and over again, I got to think that the bar is pretty high for the tribe to come in and get it shut down at this point. The other thing to remember about this, though, and this, to me, is the really interesting part, is that I, I, I think the public perception of this case, in a lot of ways, is obviously the, the pipeline's enemies, the Standing Rock Sioux tribe, and then sort of the earth justice and some of these other environmental zealots that the tribe has partnered with against the pipeline. Their lawsuit isn't against the pipeline company, right? Their lawsuit isn't against Energy Transfer Partners, which is the company uh, that, that built and is operating the pipeline. Their lawsuit is against the federal government. Now, think about that for a moment, because essentially what the judge has said is that the tribe might have a point that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers didn't properly uh, consider all of the potential impacts of the pipeline uh, on fishing, hunting, stuff like that. If that's if, if that's the case, well, well, whose fault is that? Right, because the way you build a pipeline is you're the pipeline company and you go to the federal government and you say, well, we want to build a pipeline. And there's this years-long regulatory process that you have to engage in. Public hearings and all sorts of things you got to do. I mean, it's, it is rigorous. 
which you have to go through. And so the Dakota Access Pipeline Company did that. They did that with all of the states along its route, including North Dakota, South Dakota, and others. They did that with the federal government because there is that section which crosses under the Missouri River, which is land controlled by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. So in order to get the easement to cross that, you know, roughly 1,000 feet or so of, of ground, you had to get the federal government to sign off. That's a, that's a long rigmarole process. So they went through all that. W- what would happen here what, what is if the pipeline gets shut down, it will be because the federal government didn't adequately apply their own laws. And so I, I got to ask you, where is the justice in that? You're a private company. You go to the government. You say, what do we need to do to build a pipeline? The government says, well, you got to do this. You got to check this box and you got to fill out these forms and you got to hold these hearings and on and on and on. And you do all that stuff and you get to a point and you build the pipeline and you start flowing oil through it. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, we're the federal government and, and we didn't apply our own laws correctly. So now you've got to stop the pipeline. Well, who's taking it on the chin then? Energy transfer partners and energy transfer partners employees and all their investors, all of those people, because the government couldn't get their act together. I mean, it's, it's really sort of a, a, a commentary on how Byzantine the regulatory process is. That the people in charge of that process, right, the, the people whose job it is, to implement that process, to enforce that process, right? The literal rule makers, they can't even follow their own process. If if indeed that's what turns out to be the case, and we don't know that to be the case, and, and we don't even know for sure if, it, if it's found that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers did bungle this aspect of the permitting process, that that's even enough to stop the oil flowing at this point. But to me, I, I, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's indicative of a regulatory process that is out of control. Love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We've got a caller on the line. Tom, what's up? Well, you look at it here, and, and I, I see what, what are we looking at? We're looking at the government fouled up, maybe. Maybe it looks like that. Uh, and uh, who's going to be liable for WASP? profits here well the taxpayer the government the taxpayer well you know we pay a lot of money in subsidies to oil companies already tons of money lots more money than a lot of people think they were looked it up you'd be astounded you, you think well you're paying like two uh well, what are you paying it, it, it depends on how we're defining a subsidy I, I think i think unfortunately i said unfortunately some of these activists define subsidy as not taxing the oil industry out of business so i'm not sure i define that as a subsidy well, no, they're getting subsidies for for, for uh, fracking and drilling and whatever. But there's there's a huge amount of money, and and it's it's pork barrel. It really is. It's terrible. No, it's not. And the other, no, the other, Tom, the other, no, you're you're you're, you're exaggerating. Look it up sometime. Okay. Another thing. Get to your uh, point. Look at. Uh, okay, then uh, then you got uh, renewable resources, the wind and and solar. They're going to make a big difference. They're making a big impact on the oil company. Yeah. Well, you want to. You want to. I mean, geez, you want to talk about subsidies. You want to talk about subsidies. The taxpayers pick up almost all the expenses of wind. Of course, the wind industry is growing. The taxpayers are picking up the whole tab. Nobody's doing that for the oil industry. Nobody's doing that for the coal industry. It's ridiculous. But it's one hundred percent true. 
and it's another thing that uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what any of that has to do. Listen, pipelines are legal. There is a permitting process to approve pipelines in the United States, and what's at issue here sure. right now is the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers uh, might have screwed it up. But if the federal government well, screwed you, it you up, right why now, should the private sector the have to pay for it? Oil is terrible. They can't even sell that crap anymore. Oh, give me a break. They go, you go buy sweet crude from the, oh, well, Iraq They, and they Iran can't even sell it. They're the sure Saudis. pumping a lot of it, Tom. They're sure pumping a lot of it for not being able to sell it. Thanks for the call. 701-293-9000. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. We're talking about this uh, report out of Washington, D.C. Uh, James, uh, federal Judge James Bosberg um, calling back and, and, and saying, you know, basically the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers may have uh, may have botched part of the per- permitting process for the Dakota Access Pipeline. And, and again, Nine seventy WDAY. We're having a couple of technical difficulties here with our feed for Rob Port. We're going to take a real quick break, and we will be right back. Life after deployment isn't always so easy. My marriage was falling apart. I had trouble sleeping. I was always on edge, always tense. I felt like my kids were afraid of me. I was drinking more every day. Going from one prescription to the next. I couldn't find a job. It was hard to focus in school, let alone everyday life. I didn't want to admit that I had some issues to deal with. But you know what? I got sick and tired of it and decided to get on with my life. I found the support I needed at my local vet center. It's a free counseling center for anyone like me who's been in a combat zone. My family members qualify for readjustment counseling services too. They adjust everything from PTSD and marital counseling to military sexual trauma and bereavement therapy. Most of the counselors and staff are veterans too. I like that. I like that. I like that. And you know what? It turns out I'm not the only one who's able to get some help at a local vet center. Visit the Fargo VA Vet Center at 3310 Fickner Drive, Suite 100, or call 701-237-0942. All right, welcome back. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> we had a little bit of technical difficulty coming out, there, out of the break, so uh, we're back. We're talking about this uh, situation from uh, out of Washington, D.C., Judge James Bosberg ruling basically the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers uh, had, uh, you know, basically said maybe they, maybe they botched part of the permitting process. It's it's a long shot in my mind that this is going to result in turning off the oil in the pipeline. I mean, even if even if that's, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty tall legal hurdle for the tribe and and their lawyers to get over. Uh, and even if they get over it, there's going to be an appeals process. I just don't think. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but I do think it says something pretty ugly about, about the regulatory process. I mean, listen, and, and, and this is the part I, I, I think the last caller in, in the last segment, Tom, the way people like him who, who don't like oil and don't like pipelines, the way they view the regulatory process is not as a, a, you know, a, a set of policies that are supposed to guide us towards the, respon- the, the responsible and safe development of pipeline infrastructure, but rather it's a sort of gotcha game that is so complex 
and and and, and so it, it's just it's it's a maze of of paperwork and red tape, hoping that you get tripped up somewhere along the way, so that they can they can sick their lawyers on you. Maybe not not Tom specifically, but in general, the activists, the groups, whoever, can sick their lawyers on you, and find some ticky tacky thing to stop you from building a pipeline. I mean, it's it's really. It's, it's, it's really a perversion of the law because the law is intended to, to facilitate the building of infrastructure, right? Like we're going to build the infrastructure, but we've got all these guidelines and all these safety checks and, and all these processes in place to make sure we do it the right way. And instead they're turning that into, well, it's like, a, it's like an obstacle course filled with booby traps and we're hoping you don't make it through it. Like that's that's really sort of what the what the regulatory process has become. I mean, that's and honestly, I think I think opposition to that sort of thing, I think frust- frustration with that sort of thing is why is 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 why Donald Trump won the won the presidency. Right? I I think I think that's I think that's a big part of it. I think people were frustrated with it, especially because the previous administration, the Obama administration abused this process. I mean, look at the Keystone XL pipeline. Look at how they moved the goalposts on that project over and over and over again. It was clear to any rational observer that TransCanada had had checked all the boxes. They had done what they needed to do. The project should have gone fo- gone forward. They met the threshold laid out by the law. But the Obama administration used the law in a way that it wasn't intended to be used to drag it out, to, 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 to filibuster on the project until they ultimately denied it. And that was wrong. And people get frustrated about that because it is, that is not how the policy is intended to be used. If we don't want to build pipelines, then we should just pass a law banning pipelines. But if we're, if we're going to build pipelines, then we should have a process in place that requires us to build them responsibly, that requires us to build them safely, but ultimately allows them to be built. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what we have. I'm not in favor of a booby-trapped obstacle course for building infrastructure. That's not good for America. That's not good for our economy. That's not good for the rule of law. Anyway. Coming up next, Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity. We're going to talk about tax reform right here on The Rob Report on 970 WDAY, 701 Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Those are your call-in numbers. Email talk at WDAY.com. Or hey, send me tweets at Rob Port. Uh, we got Jason Flores. He is the uh, state director for Minnesota and North Dakota for Americas for Prosperity. Mr. Flores, how are you? Very well, Rob. How are you doing? You guys are making a push on the tax code. Tell me about it. Yeah, well, this is a year to do comprehensive tax reform. We've got a first chance in a long time to really take a stab at 
reducing rates, simplifying the tax code, and making it work for the economy again. And Senator Heitkamp in North Dakota is going to be a critical vote in terms of whether or not we can get that tax reform done. Why is she critical? Well, if you look at the makeup of the U.S. Senate, um, obviously it's uh, you need a higher majority in the Senate to pass things than in the House. And I would think that senators from a, a conservative and, and economic-friendly state like North Dakota would, uh, would come along and support tax reform that works for the American people. So when you look at having to work with some Democrats, uh, she's right at the top of the list. She's made good statements in the past about supporting tax reform and wanting to do the right thing by the economy. But at the same time, she's bowed to pressure from her caucus before and done what Chuck Schumer's asked her to do, which has been wrong for North Dakota. So we're trying to make sure that she hears from North Dakotans who want a simpler, fairer, lower rate in the tax code that's going to work for North, North Dakota's economy and make sure that they tell Senator Heitkamp that that's what they want. Have we? Is there policy on the table at this point? I, I know President Trump has, has talked about this. He has, I, I, I think, expressed some very, some very broad ideas for it. But, I mean, do we have anything specific taking shape? Yeah, there's more specific stuff that's coming out of the House right now. Um, it's going to start in the House and then work its way over to the Senate. They're still working on it. We've had the same effort here in Minnesota working with Congressman Paulson, who's on Ways and Means, to make sure that we get, um, get this tax reform done. One of the specific policies that we've been working on, actually opposing, is this border adjustment tax. That's basically a trillion-dollar tax increase on consumers because it's going to tax anything that retailers or manufacturers bring in from overseas. Talking about the income tax code specifically, I mean, what what sort of reform are we looking for? I mean, obviously, tax cuts, I guess, is something that gets thrown around a lot, but it's it's really it's more than that. I, I mean, to me, it would be the code is so Byzantine. To me, it would be great right. if we could get rid of, frankly, a lot of deductions, a lot of exemptions, get rid of some brackets, simplify things. And then obviously, if you're getting rid of deductions and stuff, that means people would pay more in taxes, except offset that by lowering the overall rates. I mean, to me, if you could put something like that together, that's dynamite. You're exactly right. And that's really um, what we're calling for in our plan. If you visit our website, it's americansforprosperity.org. We've got a five-point vision is what we call it on there for tax reform. And that gets into some of those specifics, talking about simplicity, where we want lower rates, fewer back brackets, and really an elimination of all those uh, special loopholes and deductions. I mean, when you look at the corporate tax rate and you look at this corporate welfare, I mean, it's billions of dollars per year, probably $100 billion a year in the U.S. tax code that's paid out to corporations, giving special tax breaks and incentives here and there. We need to eliminate those. We need to get rid of that cronyism that's inherent in all these little deductions and extenders. And we need to provide some predictability in the tax code so that we're not dealing with two-year extenders and three-year continuing resolutions. We need to know what the tax code is going to be and actually let businesses and individuals make investments and make economic plans that are best for them and not just best for the tax code. Well, you know, it's it's a hell of a thing what you're talking about with the corporate tax code because you're right. We, we The corporate tax code is among the highest in the world here in the United States, and obviously it varies from state to state because different states have different state tax codes, but the federal tax code is pretty high. Uh, so you have that. And then 
what happens is the corporations pay taxes. Well, but then the government comes along and they say, oh, well, you know, we want to do these things for businesses. So they get all sorts of special breaks and special exemptions and special deductions and all these other things. And you know who that really empowers, right? Where, where we take a bunch of money from the private sector and stuff it into the government. And then the government kind of doles it back out a little bit here, a little drip there, a little drabble there. Who that benefits is, is, is the politicians. Right. I mean, you want to talk about cronyism and corruption in government. We're basically we're doing this. We're taking a bunch of money from the corporations that we can turn around and sort of drip, drip, drip it back to them so that the politicians have something to sell. Right. There's there's no doubt that as the amount of money that the federal government has had and as the amount that they're willing to dole out in these special tax breaks has increased. So has kind of that centralization of power and the the corruption and the money in politics. Look, there's not going to be money in politics if you keep that money from going to uh, Congress anyway, because they're just going to dole it out. It's inherently going to be a corrupt system. Let's let families, individuals, small business owners, let's let them keep that money that they make in the first place so they can invest in their business, invest in growing jobs in the free market, and just take government out of the equation. That's really what we're shooting for. What about people who say there's there's too much in and I'm playing devil's advocate here. This is not my argument, but I I, I can envision what the counter arguments are going to be. And they're going to say, well, there's so much income inequality in America and there's so many things that the government needs to be doing. We you know, we got a Medicare is a problem and we got and, and, and legitimately some people saying, well, you know, we have this massive national debt and these budget deficits. And if we just keep cutting taxes and we don't do anything about spending, those are just going to get worse. Um, and I, I guess I, I threw a lot of things out there, but let's address let's address the, the the tax cuts lead to deficits thing. I mean, what obviously that's going to be invoked against this sort of reform. What's your response? Yep. And if for some you know political reason or to pass a political smell test, they need to work to make this tax reform plan revenue neutral. You know, so it passes CBO muster. That that's fine. Let's let's do that and make some of those trade offs and talk about where those trade offs are. But if we truly get government out of the way and we free up the American economy, we free up our entrepreneurs and our small businesses, there is no question that lower tax rates both for individuals and for corporations. And remember, these corporate tax rates, they just get passed on to consumers. So when we're taxing corporations that high, they're taking that cost, they're passing it back to consumers. So we're paying our taxes in the first place, and then we're paying for the higher cost of the products in the end. There's what about, no question that if you reduce those rates, you're going to free up the American economy, and through growth and economic development, you're going to bring in more money, even at a lower rate. We've seen it in work in the states, and it's going to work at the federal government as well. What about the people who say that the, the the rich aren't paying their fair share, that they're getting away, they're they're finding all the loopholes, they're hiding their money offshore, whatever, they're not paying their fair share. Why would we want to give out tax cuts? That, and oh, by the way, if we if we cut taxes, complicated and complex of a tax code. The rich people, the corporations that are massive with huge tax compliant divisions, they can handle a terrible tax code like this. If you're just a regular Joe, you're just a, a small business on Main Street, you're trying to just get your taxes done and try not to get audited by the IRS. So if we can truly reduce these loopholes, simplify the tax code, lower the rates, we're going to create a more level playing field across the board. 
701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. So you're saying Senator Heitkamp could be a key to this sort of reform. Have, have we, do we know where she's at? Have we heard her talk about this publicly? I mean, has anybody taken her temperature yet on this sort of reform? You know, like I said at the start, she's been broadly supportive of tax reform, uh, but hasn't gone into many of the details. So I'd, I'd love to hear more from her on the specific things in this tax that, this tax reform package that she could support. The, the problem with Washington right now, and it's it's nothing new, but it's so polarized, it's so demonized that she, maybe she feels like she can't even come out and, and support anything that this president is doing. That's why we're trying to go directly to people in North Dakota, go directly to them and let them tell her, hey, we support these broad principles around tax reform, that we want to simplify it, that we want to make it more efficient. We want to make it more equitable across the board and eliminate these loopholes. And if enough North Dakotans take action, let her know directly that this is important to them, that it's important to North Dakota's economy, then I believe that she will do the right thing. And Chuck Schumer and other national Democrats aren't going to be able to tell her what to do on this one. Well, that's I mean, that's that's the fear, right, is that even if even if we put something on the table, that's that's good reform, that's solid reform, that you know, maybe isn't everything that fiscal conservatives want, and it's it's not everything that liberals want. Maybe we could get something that, that rings all the bells. What I'm afraid of is that because President Trump is going to ha- probably have his fingertip, fingerprints on it, and because Speaker Paul Ryan is probably going to have his fingerprints on it, and these are not people the Democrats like, that they're just going to reject it because of the, the source. How do we break and through we've that? Gotta, we've got to work to get past that. The, the personalities, you know, in, in these political things. You can disagree with the president on a lot of things. You can not like him personally. But if you take a look at what's in our five principles here, talking about tax reform, you take a look at those, and I think that the vast majority of the American people are going to agree with these principles. We can work on the details, but let's take that personal stuff out of it. Let's work on doing what's best for North Dakota here, what's doing what would be the best to move the economy forward as a nation, create more jobs, and keep more of these tax dollars in the hands of small businesses and individuals. If we can work on that and we can keep the focus on the policy, then I really think that we can get this done. We've got a call from Karen. Go ahead, Karen. Yes. uh, It sounds like when Heidi Heitkamp examines it that there are going to be some things that we Democrats like who care about the true economy. And uh, so I predict that about half of it that she would be willing to go for. It's not about Trump or the Democratic Party. It's about are your numbers good, and I think half of your numbers are good. Well, that sounds promising. Thanks for the call, Karen. Appreciate it. Uh, well, Jason, it's going to be exciting to see this debate unfurl. It'd be nice if we could talk about something like this for a change instead of all the other stuff we seem to be blathering about all the time when it comes to national politics. So, uh, <laughs> Well, that's right. There's a lot of uh, sideshows in national politics right now. But there are. This effort is a huge priority for us. I think it's a um, the first time that we've really had a chance to dig into tax reform in a long time, and this can benefit our country in so many ways, from the economic development and job creation to getting a handle on and, and um getting a handle on those expenditures that we're making in the budget that we don't need to be making to corporate special interests. Jason, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me on, Rob. Always appreciate it.
That's Jason Flores. He is the state director for North Dakota and Minnesota for Americans for Prosperity. More to come. We'll wrap up the show right after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away. Come on, baby, take it easy. Stop following. Welcome back, Rob Report, right here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. I don't know, Natil, I I mean, listen, you, you can think what you want with, with taxes, but I, I am tired of the car. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even think, I, I think the sort of reform that Americans for Prosperity is talking about. It's not so much even like tax cuts or lowering tax. It's more just tax reform, and we're just going to go through and we're going to take a lot of the you know the the exemptions and credits and all that crap out, and just lower the rates. And just a simpler, right? Here's your rate. Pay your money. You're done. Right? Less less of all this other stuff. Because I'm sick of it. I mean, I I don't think it's helping. Uh, you know, it's it's the politicians pandering to this constituency or that constituency or whatever. Just if we could find a way to do it revenue neutral. Just put it in place, low, flat tax, you pay the tax, you move on with your life. I think we'd be better off. I really do. I don't think you're wrong. I guess I guess I guess the devil's in the details. Right. Yeah. That's always the problem, right? Because if you're if you're like, well, we're gonna get rid of the mortgage deduction, right? Well, everybody with a mortgage is gonna hate that. Um, you know, I mean, or if you get rid of like tax credits for like sudden solar panels or something like that i mean people are going to hate that it's it's a tough thing but i mean that's that's what we've done is we've i mean the 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 income tax code is an abomination it needs to be reformed but it's been used to placate so many different political constituencies that it's almost impossible to do right because everybody everybody like i think everybody likes the idea of a simpler tax code on its face right like i said oh should we simplify the tax code i think I think most people would say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then you're like, okay, well, let's simplify it by taking these deductions away that you take and lowering your rate. And then they're like, well, well, we can't do that. Are you crazy? Right? So I'm, I'm in favor, like, I, I think that's going to be most people's position on this. Is that, well, I'm in favor of simplifying the tax code as long as you don't simplify it in a way that takes away my special benefits. Well, that's, that's the real problem. And I think, I think what most people are concerned about is the idea of, ending up paying more in when a lot of people right now are are struggling to make yeah. ends meet and all of that good stuff. And so we we look at the deductions and things like that that are available to us as our way of sort of getting a little bit of that back and helping to spread out the small amount that we have to make ends meet a little bit better. But if, you know, the deductions can go away and the tax code can be simplified in such a way that that isn't going to punch a bunch of people in the gut, yeah. I think that could work. The problem is I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know of a way to do it without punching somebody in the gut. I mean, it's so yeah. there's so many. I mean, there's so many out there. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you go to a flatter code, you know, because everybody's tax situation's different. You know, everybody's, you know, sort of income is different. And so it's. You know, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing, um, and it's I mean we've we've it's 
we've really made reform almost impossible. Uh, and, and really, if you're going to do it, you're just going to have to accept that some people are going to end up paying more in taxes. And other people are probably going to end up paying less in taxes. And that's just what you're going to have to accept if we want to get to that goal of a simplified tax code. And, and the other part of it is there are the budget deficits. I mean, like it or not, taxes produce revenues that pay for all the spending the government does. Well, government spending seriously outstrips taxes. So how are you going to put yourself in a position where you're not going to worsen the budget deficit? That's That's got to be a part of the equation, too. Well, that's it for today. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.